wonder bus. I didn't know you were joining us on the podcast tonight. <laughs> oh. Hi, everybody, and welcome to RV Miles, your home for RV and camping news, reviews, travel guides, and more. I'm Jason. And I'm Abby, and this is episode 89 of the RV Miles podcast. To get today's show notes, head over to rvmiles.com slash podcast. And of course, RV Miles is all across social media. Just search RV Miles. And if you want to keep up with Jason and I, along with Jack, Ethan, and Henry, we are over at ourwanderingfamily.com, and we are also all across social social media on today's episode we are going to cover our experience in shreveport louisiana we had a fantastic week in the great town of shreveport and it might not be a destination that's been on your travel bucket list but we're going to tell you why we think it should be we also have an interview with brenda bayless of pitchup.com pitchup.com is the world's leading campground reservation website but they've only just recently entered the U.S. market and they're really looking to change up the game in the way people reserve campgrounds. Game changer, maybe, Jason? Maybe a game changer. Maybe a game changer. Abby says I use game changer too much. Abby doesn't say. (laughs) Abby knows. (laughs) We also have a whole lot of news. The long-awaited answer to the two weeks ago brain teaser Everybody Uh, (laughs) calm down. Stop emailing us. We got it. Some gear and a whole lot more. But first, this episode is sponsored by L.L. Bean. This year, L.L. Bean is joining up with the National Park Foundation, the official nonprofit partner of the National Park Service, to help you find your happy place. In an amazing system of more than 400 national parks, including historic and cultural sites, monuments, preserves, lakeshores, and seashores that dot the American land landscape, many of which you'll find just a short trip from home. L.L. Bean is proud to be an official partner of the National Park Foundation. Discover your perfect day to park at findyourpark.com. We are coming to you this week from Amelia, Louisiana. Perhaps this week we should be calling ourselves the Hotel Miles <laughs> podcast, not so much the RV Miles we podcast. We are staying in a hotel. Uh <laughs> We We, are moved in. (laughs) We are solidly moved in. We left uh, our campground at uh, Abbeville, the great Palmetto Islands State Park there. And we were making our way towards New Orleans. And we had a week scheduled for New Orleans. But um, Wanderbus decided to break down on us again, actually. Uh, We blew a coolant hose and overheated. And this is really just a continuation of a problem. Yeah. This isn't a new breakdown. This is just yeah. keeping up with we put a Band-Aid over a bleeding, festering, barely hanging on limb. Well, we, that had, we, didn't we, know. Had, a, we had a coolant hose blow a couple weeks ago and we thought it's just a really old hose because it was brittle and it yeah, kind of was like falling apart. Touched it and it just crumbled. But unfortunately, it turned out that we actually did have an overheating problem that caused that. And then we blew another hose. So it turned out fortuitous that we actually broke down here though, because this, this extended stay hotel was right here. It's the only thing right here that in a Mexican restaurant across the street, do not the Mexican not. restaurant was awesome. I'm not, I mean, well, I was going to say, don't throw shade to the subway. Okay. okay Cause we were over, you know that but. you and I were at the subway yesterday, <laughs> but we got our, we didn't even, they don't even have $5 foot longs anymore. So I can't use that. 
but we did get footlongs. <laughs> but it turned out the, the the day we broke down that night, there were tornado warnings all across New Orleans. So, uh, you know, we were in a safe place and, the, and that was good. Hey, we've had a lot of blessings with this particular breakdown. If it was going to happen, it's really great that it happened where we are. We have a hotel that has a kitchenette in it, microwave, a two burner stove, a full size refridge. Refridge? Did I just say refridge? Yeah. I currently am. If this gives you any indication of the week we've had, I'm currently enjoying a three dollar bottle of wine in my coffee mug. <laughs> so, you know, we have a refridge and <laughs> it was just sort of great the way it worked out. They've got, you know, laundry. They have actually a really kind of cool, like little back patio area all set up out there. And yeah, it's nice. It's yeah, almost campground like it, outside. It is. And there was a dedicated place we could actually park the bus and Jason had space to work without feeling like we were in their parking lot or, you know, sort of impeding yeah. on their space. It just it worked out really well. So I've been spending the last few days changing coolant hoses, uh, doing a coolant flush, changing the thermostats, whole lot of stuff to the bus and uh, power washing the radiator and all kinds of things. I think I've got it. Don't all say set, that. Don't say you that. Know. Well, I, you know, Just I, don't. I drove it out and put it through its paces and it seems okay. Yes. I don't want to jinx. Just there's not even. I don't want to jinx it like like we jinxed this week's episode. Uh, yeah. Well, we didn't. <laughs> we didn't jinx it. If okay, we had been well, able to have the week we were supposed yeah. to have, we would have rolled out this new format, and everything would have just gone on with life. So but, the plan yeah. was that this week you would be hearing our new format of the show, which we've been working on, but we just could not get it together with what's been going on. With us, so no, because you've been out there <laughs> trying to save our home, and then I've been in here desperately trying to keep everything afloat, yeah. like all the businesses, the kids, well, like to we, keep sane with three kids uh, cooped up in a hotel room. It's I, you know, well, full disclosure, they've probably logged. 220 hours of YouTube this week. Full disclosure, <laughs> she hasn't kept sane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, full disclosure, there is a reason why it's Friday and I'm drinking a three dollar <laughs> bottle of wine. Uh, they they have logged a lot of uh, YouTube hours, a lot of electronics time, but that's OK. And those kids, when the whole thing fell apart on Sunday and we knew we had to figure things out, boy, were they just. They were just exactly what we needed. They were so great. They were so they full of encouragement. Job. And while their mother was struggling to, you know, not let what was going on internally make its way out externally, they just rallied around us and they were like, it's all right. We'll get it fixed. It'll be OK. So we'll get to the new format next week. We Shh. promise, Shh. I think. Uh, Look, you know, sometime, I've got my fingers crossed behind my back. Here's the deal. Sometime in 2019, <laughs> we plan on rolling out Look, a new format. Next next week is episode 90. I think it's good to do these things on, you know, a, an even number. I think that's, you know, important. Uh, well, then why don't we just shoot for 100? <laughs> I mean, you're just well, going to keep you're just going to keep moving the line at this point. So hopefully we'll get to that next week. Next week, we're oddly we're we are on our way to Biloxi, Mississippi, and oddly we will be doing a planned stay in a hotel Oh yeah. when we leave so here on Sunday. We've got two nights that we planned as sort of like a vacation, a little vacation getaway from our 
vacation lifestyle at the Margaritaville resort there in, in Biloxi. And we're really looking forward to that. Oh, Jason is. In <laughs> fact, Jason has been frantically searching for any sort of Hawaiian shirt he can get his hands on. I gotta on. get some Jimmy Buffett CDs out. Yeah. And... Do you? Do we? <laughs> you act like we own Jimmy Buffett CDs. I well, don't think you know, we I mean, actually, I mean, you can Spotify that yeah. all you want, but yeah. we don't own any yeah. Jimmy Buffett CD. So we look forward to telling you about all that stuff when it happens and, and in our new format. But for this week, we're going to keep it as it's been. And we're going to start off with the news. Boom, boom, boom. I do always wish we had like, you know well, how maybe the, that's going to be part of the new format. How ABC World News used to spin around. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Exactly. <laughs> we're Show, a little loopy. Okay. Yeah. Our seams are showing today. <laughs> you know, when you were in school or I don't know if you guys did this in the classes you were taking for theater. When you had like a group project and you'd make it up as you went. No, you well, that was just mine. That's every <laughs> night I was on stage. Um, but do you know how sometimes you would do this exercise where it'd be like, okay, we have this show we're doing or we're this scene or whatever. Just completely turn it up. Just don't do what you're supposed to do. Just go out there and just be, just be crazy. Just say whatever you want to say, act however you want to act, like act a fool out there. No, it doesn't I, even I, matter. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, really? You no. didn't know anything about this? No. I took one acting class. What do you what do you want from me? Oh, God, this is so much. That's sort of how this episode feels, where we've been given permission to just improv. Just basically just go out and improv the whole thing. And then and just see what, you know, from it, you get new discoveries, right? Because you're improving. So you're going to find new discoveries. Oh, dear Lord. I, sorry. <laughs> I feel like We have that's... taken a deep dive here. I... Can we talk about Jellystone Campgrounds uh, now? We can. I just, I've just i gone from RV miles to hotel miles to clearly theater miles. <laughs> it's just a big mess. That's how this episode feels, though. We're First have... in the news. <laughs> Moving on. Moving on. Let's talk about Yogi. Hey, boo-boo. Jellystone Parks are looking to head west. You know, there's only like five or six Jellystone Campgrounds west of the Great Plains part of the country west of like the, the middle of the country there there are over 80 jellystone campgrounds but there aren't that many in the west and they're really making a push to get some franchises out in the west so they're holding a big uh franchise event in texas but also this year is the 50th anniversary of jellystone campgrounds it's hard to believe that yogi bear is even that old they're making some big upgrades to a lot of the parks across the country. More campsites, more cabins, water slides, ninja playgrounds. I'm sorry. Ninja playgrounds. Can we just can we just stop? First off, I'm surprised the three boys that are plugged in right now did not just all heads didn't just like flip towards <laughs> you. They no, nobody. Nobody can hear us. Is this ninja play? Is this available for adults? I, I, I would be on that so fast. Well, and and they also have op a lot of them are having obstacle courses put in. And Henry is is <sighs> going so through a phase where he likes to make obstacle courses right now because we've been watching a lot of survival. Well, I was you know what? I was just about to draw that parallel. Does Jellystone not feel like the survivor of campgrounds? Hey, that I I'm think just that's saying. the next step. I think we need a survivor franchise of campgrounds. I would go, <laughs> I would except go. I would need it to be glamping, which is the complete opposite of survivor. Yeah. yeah but but then still I'll go do the, like challenges. the challenges. Yeah, yeah. But then when I go back to my campsite, I don't want to sleep no. with rats. No, but maybe you would have like a decent campsite 
for like when you lose and then like an amazing campsite for if you win the challenges. No, I can't. (laughs) No, because I don't think given my history with Monopoly that I would do well if I lost the challenge or if my team lost the challenge. Okay. There'd, ha- there'd have to be some si- some sort of consequence. Yeah. I Maybe mean, it's the food. We've made a, a decision as a couple that we don't play Monopoly because it could end our marriage. Yeah. I fear that if we were to go and she do- never trades That's anything. Not, she won't trade. Hun, she just talked, won't do it. We've talked about this. You'd be sitting there and she'd just stare at you. Anywho, I fear that if you and I went on a challenge... If you didn't, if you didn't live up to my standards, we'd have trouble. (laughs) Next in the news, Garmin has introduced the RV 780 GPS unit. This is the replacement for their popular Garmin RV 770 unit. Uh, It's sort of just a new refresh of of their RV GPS lines, but it's uh, it it just looks a lot cleaner. It's got a few more features, but the R. The Garmin GPS is a real nice. I haven't gotten to use one yet, but uh, I've heard a lot of good things about them. They're full of RV specific sites that they've got built into the uh, the database inside them. So, you know, campsites, dump stations, all that sort of stuff. Uh, but their their directions now, if you're like going to uh, an interchange on an interstate, it now shows you like a photographic representation of where to go like google street view type deal oh that would have been so nice yeah. to have in dallas right because that's a <laughs> because we disaster got lost. and a half they they it shows your elevation now uh, on the display which i think is amazing and and helps you figure out the route that's going to have the least amount of elevation changes curviness of the route is is listed in there and you can really do some serious planning with this. So check that out. We'll put a link to the article about that in the show notes, along with everything else that we talk about on the show, you can find in the show notes at rvmiles.com slash podcast. Finally, in the industry, we talked about this RVX event that happened early earlier this year, the trade show for the RV industry. This is the first year they've done this big event after they canceled the Louisville show that happened a year and a half ago. The last one happened and uh there was a lot of big to do over it and it was a really big event and it was really successful on the front of getting rvs out there in the media however a lot of the folks in the rv industry that are part of the rv industry association weren't happy with the event and they've actually canceled their plans for the next two they're still going to do it but they're going to figure out a different way to do it Does it feel a little bit like a knee jerk reaction to you? It feels a lot like a knee jerk reaction because I think. Look, I know that we weren't exactly gentle with them about DJ DJ Second Nature Nature. and how that whole. And you know what? I don't want to blame DJ Second Nature because he was just there to do a job and he did his job. He did what he was asked to do. I think it shows a little bit of the true colors of the industry when Like when RVIA was trying to do something a little bit more modern, a little bit younger, a little bit more in tune with everybody. They had a panel that was of people that were disruptors in different industries and trying to teach people in the RV industry how to disrupt disrupt the market. (laughs) I mean, all these forward thinking 
modern business ideas and getting it out there in front of everybody. I think that was a great idea. I think it was too. And it's disappointing to me that the industry took that and turned it into a negative. Because what happened is a lot of the dealers didn't go to RVX. Part of that is it was in Salt Lake City in the winter. Yeah, but they were making changes. And that was it was going to be or will still be in San Antonio next year. But, you know, I feel like we're going to roll back into this vanilla sort of boring trade show. And I really hope not. You know, well, and that's the thing. All these all these other industries out there and they, they were looking at copying some of the tech industries and stuff have these trade shows. And part of the thing about trade shows is that it's a getaway for the people that go to them. It's a big retreat. So that's why you see a lot of these trade shows are in Vegas. So the people that go can just let loose and have a little bit of fun or they're in Florida. They, they are in the warm sun and beaches and stuff. I can't blame this fully on Salt Lake city though. And I understand why they were there and they talked about it because Utah really was sort of like the first, the governor of Utah really was sort of the first to, to buy into this. Well, Salt Lake city is a, is a great city. Utah is a great state, especially for RVing. It's just the winter. It's not good in March. Yeah. It's just not good in March. And, but again, I don't think you can lay this at the feet of Salt Lake city. If from what we've been hearing and reading and listening to some of the chatter, it is the fact that the industry folk were just unhappy. Well, I I'm sorry. Get over yourself. Get your heads out of the mud. Yeah. Get over yourselves. Like it's 2019. Like things are changing. The way we communicate changes. The way we travel is changing. The way people are choosing to travel and the types of rigs they're choosing to travel in. Those are changing. And you got to change with it. And that means your trade show needs to change. And I'm I sorry. think that's the issue because I think the companies that are the ones that accept this type of change and, and participate in it are the ones that are going to succeed. And the ones that are, that have their heads stuck in the mud are the ones that sell massive amounts of the same trailer. That's, that's selling really well because it's the cheapest. Well, and, and we, it's kind of bland. We go back and forth and look, we've gotten, a little bit of flack for people saying, but you don't even travel and you travel in a school bus. You have absolutely nothing to do with any of this. Yeah. But maybe that should say to you, maybe there's a reason why we are traveling in a school bus. And I mean, I, it's obvious there, the van life movement is, is a big part of that. And that's why the RV industry is really pushing vans. Now they're selling really well. They're really looking at finding ways to give the product to those van lifers who who want it without them having to go build it themselves. Absolutely. And the schoolie community is very much a part of that van life movement. It is the desire for a unique, one of a kind way to experience travel. And that can absolutely be a part of the RV industry. It just takes a little bit of creativity and a little bit of willingness to be flexible. And yeah. hopefully RVIA will continue to push the industry towards that and not fall back and be like, Oh, well, nobody, wait, nobody yeah. liked RVX. So uh, uh, you know uh, what? Yeah. Next year, just, you know, what's Mariah Carey doing? Here's Does the she thing. Come next year. Like, you know, the she's people in Vegas. that went to RVX loved it. It's the people that didn't go that didn't. And part of that was the time of year. It's it's when a lot of not in terms of the weather, but that's also when 
a lot of RV dealerships are starting to ramp up sales for the camping season. And it was, I think, hard for some of them to justify leaving. Justify leaving. Uh, then that's a very valid reason. So I think next year we might see a different time of year type situation. Uh, but we'll see what happens. There will be some sort of trade show. Uh, it will probably still be called RVX. It probably won't be happening when they thought it was going to happen. But I mean, we'll let's see. do this. Let's go to RVX next year. And I just hope well, everyone goes. Like, on it. Well, not just us, but I just, <laughs> I just mean people in general. Yeah. Like, let's do this. Let's let's bring this industry into the 21st century. Yeah. All right. That's the news for the week. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we'll have the answer to the brain teaser from two weeks ago. And we're going to have a little gear spotlight and an interesting discussion about gas purchasing. What day of the week should you purchase fuel on? We're going to let you know in a little bit. The day of the week when I have the most money. We'll be right back. We're back with the answer to last week's brain teaser sponsored by the FMCA. From motorhomes, travel trailers, fifth wheels, bus conversions, and more, FMCA is here to enhance your RV lifestyle. For as little as $5 a month, you can travel with peace of mind knowing FMCA has got your back. Get connected with like-minded RVers on their Facebook page, forums, at conventions, and events. Deals and discounts include RV insurance, roadside rescue, and tire-saving programs. And their medical emergency and travel assistance program is included free. A yearly membership is only $60, but RV Miles listeners can save 10 bucks with code RVMILES19. Just visit fmca.com slash RVMILES19 and enter code RV miles 19. That's all one word or click the link in the show notes. And we want to invite you to join us at the FMCA's hundredth convention. They hold two conventions every single year. And this year in Minot, North Dakota is the hundredth convention. We're very excited to be uh, going and we're going to be doing a podcast episode from there it's August 14th through the 16th. And if you can go, you can experience live entertainment, seminars, educational opportunities, games, book club, all kinds of stuff. If you take a look uh, on our website, I'll put a link in the show notes as well. Mark Walker did an article about his experience at the 99th expo that just happened Peachy last and Perry. month in, in Perry, Georgia, that gives you kind of a, a, a good idea of what happens at one of these conventions. You can meet leading experts in the industry to talk about everyone's favorite thing, RVs. Hey, hey, hey. Who's going to be there? Do you remember? Sully. Captain Sully. Captain Sully Sullenberger is going to be there. Listen to the excitement in Jason's voice. True American hero, Sully. And uh, registration is open now. And you can... uh, you can go join with the code RVMILES19 and then also register at the same time. Yeah. And if you're going, please let us know. Editor at RVMILES.com or just send us a message across social media because what we would love to do is just have like a little tiny mini meetup 
we don't get a lot of opportunities to meet our friends on the road. And so this is such a great opportunity to do that up in why not, my not. So <laughs> that's the only way. That's the only way I can remember not to say Mano. So if you're going, we would be just so thrilled. We'd be so peachy if we could meet you. All right. The answer to last week's brain teaser, it went like this. I'm sorry. Two weeks ago's brain teaser. The brain teaser had last week off. Two old friends, Fred and Ted, had managed to work a party piece that no one could figure out. Fred would go out of the room and Ted would invite the guests to select an item. They were then asked to continue to think of it so that Fred could read their minds. Fred would be blindfolded so that there would be no possibility of visual clues. Ted would then start to ask Fred questions. On one occasion, Ted asked, Did we think of the word sock? Absolutely not, replied Fred. Well, was it an ashtray? No. Okay, is it the word plate? Again, the answer was negative. So are we thinking of the word china? No, replied Fred. Are we thinking of the word carpet? No, replied Fred. The word you're thinking of is chair. Everyone gasped. He was right. How did Fred and Ted work their party piece? And the answer is that the third letter of each item that Fred mentioned when he's asking the questions was actually one of the letters in the item. So did we think of the word sock? The third letter is C. Ashtray, the third letter is H. Plate, the third letter is A, and so on. Fred and Ted are not invited to my party <laughs> the at little, all. The little jerks. The winner this week is Caroline Williams from Virginia, who will be receiving a Not All Who Wander Are Lost t-shirt. And you'll have a chance to win yours at the end of the show. Just underwent a new design. Yeah, there's a little new makeover. And you, well, can, you can also buy one if you want to buy one now. Uh, you know, if if we put the store up <laughs> by the time this episode look, is out, yeah. like, just don't plan on it. It'll be, it, up it'll be available week. soon to buy. It'll be available when the new format rolls out. How about that? <laughs> yeah. And when the new format rolls out, I'm going to stop saying <laughs> who will receive. I can't say that. I can't who spit will? out. The winner this week is blah, blah, blah. Who will receive a, not all who wander our last t-shirt. I have a really hard time spitting that out. Should have take Brad Mott's acting class. <laughs> All right, we have a, a gear item that we want to spotlight for you this week, an item that we truly fell in love with over the last couple months. And this is a crocheted beanie hat made from Onus Art Projects, and we each have one. I just love everything about these people. They're just, they're my people. These are, these are hats. They're, they're winter hats, but they're very lightweight. So in, in crocheted, so there's a little airflow. So they're nice to not be like super sweaty, kind of just spring and fall having a bad hair day type hats sometimes too, if you want. They're a great spring But they'll hat. also keep you a little warm if you, if you want to in the winter as well. Some people don't like super heavy hats either, but they're crocheted and they're hand cro crocheted. The company is called Onus Art Projects. And uh, they have all sorts of different colors. You can even design your own. They, you can tell them how you want your hat crocheted and, and they'll do it. So if you have team colors that you want to use or whatever, they're like do it your for you. Nana. They are. You just say, Nana, this is the hat I want. <laughs> and then they, they will, they will make it. It's just, it's so wonderful. Everything Onus makes is either made by Adam or Dallas. And they have a workshop up in South Lake Tahoe. But mostly they run their business on the road 
in a converted school bus. Gee, I don't know anyone who does anything like that. (laughs) So you can check them out at onusartprojects.com. They also make all kinds of other sort of bags, saddlebags, art pieces, surfboards, and nearly everything they make is, is made with recycled materials. They recycle stuff whenever they can. Yeah. The way that I found them was I saw that one of their bags was made from a bus seat. And I just thought that that was so cool. Yeah. So check them out at onusartprojects.com and we'll provide a link in the show notes. Hey, so what day of the week do you think is the best day of the week to buy gas? I don't know. I, you know, I would say earlier in the week because I would think everyone is fueling up for weekend adventures, um, you know, or it's just the end of the week and, you know, you're going to be driving around being really busy. So my guess is going to be Monday, Tuesday or Wednesday. Well, according to Gas Buddy, which is the the Gas Buddy app that we use and a lot of people use as a it's a user generated app where people put in fuel prices wherever they are so you can find out what fuel prices close to you are going to be. So they have this massive amount of data. So according to Gas Buddy, you're right. Earlier in the week is better. Gas Buddy says that nationally Monday is generally the cheapest day to buy fuel. Now, they didn't track diesel fuel in this study, so we don't know if if diesel is the same way. And there could be some variances with diesel since truckers use the majority of the diesel out there. But in terms of gasoline, Monday is the way to go. And Tuesday came in second best, but the worst days to buy gasoline are, are definitely Friday and Saturday and Sunday, except for in some places. So they 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 gave us an idea of these days, but then they also gave us a list of every state and what's the best day in each state and which is the best day in different metropolitan areas. For instance, in Boston, Seattle and San Francisco, Sunday is actually the cheapest day to buy fuel when across the country, it's one of the worst days to buy fuel. So there's a chart available on the website that I put together in an article that's got the every state and, and city and and all the different days that that are best but they also gave us the best day of the week to buy gas when it comes to wait time a lot of people don't want to wait at the pump especially when they're on their way to work or whatever and monday uh sunday monday and tuesday are also the best days for wait times and thursday friday and saturday are the worst so if you want to get gas cheaply and you don't want to have to wait for it Monday and Tuesday are usually going to be your way to go. That is really detailed information. (laughs) Isn't it? Yes. I think somebody at Gas Buddy had an awesome job that kept them busy for a very long time. (laughs) So like I said, I I wrote that all up in an article and there's um, fancy little charts that Gas Buddy put together that we'll share in the show notes. All right. It's time for our interview segment with pitchup.com. But first, this segment is sponsored by our new sponsor that we're so excited to have on the show because we really do love their products. As you might know from the gear guide from last week, PelicanCoolers.com is now a sponsor on the show. One of the easiest ways to keep costs down when we're out camping is to make our own meals as much as possible. Yeah, it's really easy to get caught up in wanting to just like grab something when you get into an urban environment or when we're out traveling in the national parks and just, you know, grab a bite on our way. But we learned really quickly how expensive 
that can be. And packing our own lunch, being able to take our own food is just the best way to keep costs down. Because Wanderbus doesn't go with us wherever we go. We actually put more miles on our van because we make all sorts of day trips all over the place. Yeah. I mean, we have been known to drive. Well, when we went to LBJ's ranch, I think we drove almost 90 minutes from our campground just to get there. And so that was one of those days where we packed a lunch and I couldn't be more pleased with Pelican coolers. Our 30 quart Pelican cooler is great to keep in the back of our van. We can put our groceries in it. We're often a long way from groceries. I just did that the other night. I put our, our milk in it because I was picking milk up almost 70 miles away from here. Yes, because you had to drive all the way out to a cat dealer. We don't usually go to a grocery store 70 miles no, but away. Often but often they're you, a decent amount away. They are often a decent amount away. And one of the things, one of my personal things is I am very, very sensitive to the temperature inside of a cooler. There is nothing that will turn me off to my lunch faster than opening a cooler and noticing that the temperature when I started that cooler a few hours ago has just risen drastically. Yeah. I'm sorry. I love cheese. But warm cheese, that is gross. So, That's gross. <laughs> so Pelican coolers are those fancy rotomolded coolers that are all the rage right now. But they are some of the best made out there. They're made in the USA. They've got great latches and the, they can hold ice for six, seven or nine days, depending on the size of the cooler. So it's perfect for if you've got a small RV without a fridge, you've got a pop up or whatever, uh, or you just want to put your drinks outside. It's perfect for that kind of situation. It is absolutely perfect. And so if you head over to pelicancoolers.com slash RV miles, and then you plug in, wait for it, the promo code RV miles, you are going to score a free tumbler with your purchase. And we're going to be talking about Pelican coolers here for the next, you know, several episodes. I don't think my love for them is going to fade anytime no. soon, even just here in the hotel. Yeah, it's been, been, all, yeah. It's been, even though we have a fridge here, it's been a great to just bring stuff up and down and take out on there. There's a trail by here that we took out, took a our soft side cooler out on. And it, it's been a blast to have Pelican coolers with us. Absolutely. Pelicancoolers.com slash RV miles. Go over there, pick up your new favorite cooler. Use promo code RV miles and you'll score a free tumbler at checkout. One of the biggest challenges for RVers is finding a reliable way to compare different campgrounds and their amenities, along with having all the pricing and being able to book in one place. It just doesn't exist. There's no there's no hotel.com like, exactly. or kayak for this. But did you know the world's largest online booking system for campsites, RV parks and cabins only entered the U.S. late in the last year? It's called pitchup.com and it's a website that could change the way we book campgrounds. Perhaps a game changer. You know what? We're going to get that tattooed on you somewhere. Game changer. (laughs) So recently I sat down with PitchUp's Brenda Bayless to talk about how the 10 year old company is looking to shake up the way we do campground reservations in America. Brenda, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me today. Let's start by getting a little bit of history about pitchup.com. The company's 10 years old now, right? Yeah, started in 2009 in England and has grown 
every year since that great beginning in 2009, started by some people that had grown up on campgrounds. And um, our founder, Dan Yates, uh, his family had owned a holiday park, as they call them in England, and um, knew there was nothing out there for campgrounds to put themselves out there like hotels could, and no place where campers and RVers could find places to go quickly and easily and plan their trips. So Pitch Up was founded. You mentioned hotels. That's something that's common, at least here in the States, that there are websites to go to like hotels.com, like uh, Travelocity, where where Dan used to work, right? Where you can go and book campground travel. That's kind of a rarity here and, and something that people I think are really looking for. How does Pitch Up fit into that? Well, of course, we like to think of ourselves as the go-to place for people to find, book, and go to campgrounds um, all over the world. But here in the U.S., we're excited to be growing, um, as well as, of course, into Canada, because a lot of RVers like to go both places. And um, Pitch Up is a great place to go to find what you're looking for, where you're looking to go, and figure out all that you need for your particular style of travel in, you know, Know, whether it's RVing, camping, tree houses, yurts, all of those kinds of things. So anything kind of outdoors, that's what we do. I think that's a really great feature is that you can go on pitchup.com and you're not just looking for RV sites or tent campsites. You, you can look for lodges, cabins, yurts, all that sort of stuff in the same search. That makes a lot of sense because a lot of people are trying to go to the same place and are trying to find what different types of accommodations they might might look into when visiting Yellowstone, for instance. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes when a family that travels mostly by by RV, maybe they some friends and they need some place for them to sleep. So, you know, finding a park that has a spot for their RV and a place for their friends to crash that night to um, grandparents or, you know, extra kids along for the journey um, that can be really helpful. Tent sites, uh, you know, for kids along with the RV site, along with maybe um, a cabin for grandma, all of those things you can find in one place right there on Pitch Up. So when you go onto the site, there's obviously it's a worldwide site. So there's when I went on at first, I got the British English and you can you can select American English at the top and, you know, get stuff in in dollar signs. But you can find campgrounds all around the world. And in the USA, you don't have a ton of parks yet because you're you're new. Right. End of last year is when you entered the U.S.? Yeah, we've um, we've been in the U.S. Actually, you know, we kind of started doing some pre-work a couple of years ago to start introducing campgrounds to pitch up so that um, we could have some campgrounds for people to find RV parks and that sort of thing. When we started really pushing out to the campground market and getting more people starting to use pitch up here in North America. So um, at first it was mostly our European audience and around um, that hey, we can camp and, and go into the U.S. and do these things. And um, now more than ever, um, people in the U.S. are finding out about Pitch Up and starting to use us and more campgrounds being available to them. So it's just really growing organically and um, starting to make a real splash here in the U.S. So I want to uh, talk about the the setup a little bit. So to be clear, what makes Pitch Up a little bit different from 
some of the campground review websites, which there are a lot of. PitchUp is a place that lists campgrounds that you can book right in the in the interface, and it shows you the pricing right there. Yes. So um, we make sure that we tell the camper everything they want to know um, from the size of the sites that they would be choosing to the accommodations that they have, the types of amenities, um, electrical, you know, hookups, full hookups, um, water, sewer, um, what the campground offers, pictures, um, complete description, all of the policies. So when a camp or RVer goes on to pitch up to find a location, they get a hundred percent of the information that they need to know, can see the pricing right there. Um, there's nothing, no hidden fees or extra charges on there, and they can book it right there on the spot, get immediate confirmation, and know they have a spot waiting for them, whether it's that night or you know down the road a bit, whenever they are making their full travel plans to go. And what I love is that all of those details that you mentioned are selectable in the search. So I can look at uh, what types of groups are welcome, what types of rules they have, whether dogs are allowed, uh, whether campfires allowed, whether they're year round. That's a big one for us, especially when we're looking in like the north or in the Midwest. And a lot of those campgrounds close in, in October, uh, wh whether they're near a grocery store, whether they're in a scenic location, have laundry, showers, Wi-Fi, all kinds of different things that you can select. And then even all the the leisure opportunities on the park, whether there's a swimming pool, a tennis court, all that sort of stuff. There's little check boxes that I can click to see which campgrounds in an area have that. That's so great. Yeah, that's, a, you know, one of the best features in, uh, of PitchUp is that, once again, we just give you all the information that you need to make a great decision about whether or not this park, this space, you know, at that park is really uh, what you're looking for to make your trip really fabulous and enjoy, whether it's uh, a stopover for one night or for a week long getaway or even, you know, a monthly stay somewhere um, as you're traveling and want to stop. So right now you are set up at uh, 87 different parks in the USA. What uh, what is the plan to to grow? What what are some of the challenges facing getting more campgrounds into pitch up? Well, let's talk about that 87. So one of the things that a, a lot of uh, campers know is that a lot of campgrounds don't put out their uh, availability or their rates or even decide what they're going to do for, let's say, this upcoming season for those that are more summer seasonal until January. So as the um, season ends, it's hard to find a spot for next year until, you know, after January, February of this year for this coming year. So we've really been educating parts about keeping themselves available for campers and RVers to find out about so that they can make plans, um, you know, all year to be there. Uh, so one of the things you see on PitchUp that is different than a lot of sites is the only sites you're going to see are those that do have a availability right now showing on pitch up. So as parks 
make their decisions and get more um, availability ready to go, you'll see more and more parks, several hundred be, you know, available on pitch up in the very close future. Um, and back to where we had several hundred, you know, for the summer last year. So that will grow. And the good news is when you're looking on pitch up, you're not having to filter through sites that don't have availability or make all those phone calls to say, oh, do you have a spot? Do you have a spot. No, the availability is right there on PitchUp. So you can find book and go without having to do a lot of hassle because if it's showing and it's available, then boom, you're good to go. And if it's showing and they don't have availability, well, you don't have to waste your time um, calling that park or, you know, doing more research on that. So that's where we want to position ourselves as a place where campers know they can find book and go without having to do a whole lot of extra extra special, you know, calling or digging around looking to find places that might have availability for them. That's the benefit of, of taking a look on pitch up. And as the campgrounds see that they can fill up their spots quickly and easily and campers tell campgrounds, hey, you know, we're using pitch up because it makes it easy for us to plan our trip. Um, that's how we're going to grow here in the U.S. Brenda, where can people go if they want to learn more about PitchUp? Well, the best place to go, of course, is to the website and it's um, mobile friendly as well. So pitchup.com and um, you'll find everything you want to know about PitchUp and can look for places here in the U.S. and Canada, as well as um, meet some great people on the road if you want to go camping or RVing all over the world. Brenda Bayless with pitchup.com. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. We want to thank Brenda Bayless again for being on the show. Seriously, go to pitchup.com and check out just the amazing number of different things you can select to filter campgrounds by. It's absolutely incredible. And the fact that you can see the prices and book it right there it is really, really nice. It's time to talk about our wonderful week in Shreveport, Louisiana. We had an excellent time visiting all the different attractions in what what I would say is another B-side city, which is not a pejorative thing. That's something we love. We seek out the B-side cities. They're Absolutely. not, this is not New Orleans, uh, but it's a place where you can get a lot of the same experiences you'll experience in New Orleans. So much character, yeah, Great. so town. much flavor, just so much hospitality. But first, this segment is sponsored by Togo. By now, you know we are digging our new favorite organizational app for all things RV, Togo. With Togo, everything you need to own and operate your RV is in one convenient digital space. You can set maintenance reminders and keep track of registration details. Plus, we love that there are the checklists and you know how important a good checklist is for our sanity. But the coolest thing about Togo is their brand new all-in-one internet connectivity kit, Togo Roadlink is a complete connectivity solution that combines state-of-the-art hardware with new RV-specific data plans. The new Roadlink C2 is a powerful Wi-Fi booster combined with 4G LTE antenna. It's a small all-in-one dome that easily installs on your roof and can be controlled by an app instead of a chunky portal. 
Not only is Roadlink crafted with best-in-class hardware, but they've joined forces with AT&T to offer unlimited 4G LTE data plans specifically for RVers. That's pretty cool. The details of the data plans and hardware can be found at runswithtogo.com slash roadlink. $360 a year for unlimited unthrottled data. Get out of the room. Hard to beat. Hard to beat. All right, Shreveport, Louisiana. What a great introduction to the state of Louisiana. It is, and that's something we like to do when we first come into a new state to us is really hit a town that really gives you a feel for, for it. And I didn't realize that far north, you know, there's still bayous and swamps and, and all that. And you really do get the Louisiana feel all the way up north in Shreveport. Absolutely. Uh, Shreveport is a river town and it's really known for its casinos. There's a whole bunch of casino hotels there. I suppose maybe oh, Texas doesn't allow casino gambling and it's right across the border and that's why I'm not sure, but there's a lot of casinos in Louisiana, but it's, you know, these are nice fancy casino resorts, uh, but it's also got all sorts of beautiful homes and boulevards. It's just a pretty town to drive through a lot of the neighborhoods. Yeah. It's a beautiful Southern town. It's a lovely representation of Northern Louisiana. So we stayed at the Cypress Black Bayou campground. And this is part of the Recreation and Water Conservation District there. So it's a it's a public campground facility and it's run really well. It was nothing like what I was expecting at all. We keep saying we've said this several times, uh, but this one, I think, has surpassed again the best public bathroom facility at, at a campground. I know. I don't want to jinx ourselves because we've had a really good string of them these yeah. last couple of. They're all making up for the murder bathhouse. Yeah. In, in Hello. Texas. Louisiana is just I mean, they got it going on. What's interesting about this, too, is that in order actually to use the bathhouse, because it is a public park, because there are other things, there's a marina, they have a zoo. Yes, you heard me right. They have a zoo. They have a nature center. There's, you know, picnicking. In order to use the bathhouse that is in the campground area, you have to punch in a code that is assigned to you when you check in. So it ensures that the bathhouse is only used by those in the campground. It's also the same code that you use to get in the gate at night and they lock the gate at night, but give you a code that you can use to get in. Yeah, it's just this is one of those campgrounds again. And we'll say this, too, when we talk about Palmetto Islands that you could go to. And you don't need to leave. No. Order, you know, it is a destination within itself. You can spend your week vacation there and there's plenty to do, especially if you're a boater or a fisher. Yeah, you could take a boat out on, on the bayou and really spend a lot of time doing that. Just make sure you only go counterclockwise. <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's a lot of rules at this campground and that's fine. Keeps things, you know, yeah, working. I mean, the but security is, is they, they, they keep it very secure, which is great for your safety it's it feels a little overbearing at times like there's a sign saying that you by entering this facility you subject yourself to being searched at any time which you know that's a little bit of a turnoff <laughs> but the people that work there are the opposite of that everybody oh, is so incredibly nice, nice. And, and you know you get a feeling when you see a bunch of rules when you enter a campground sometimes that if the rules seem a little overbearing you're you're always worried that the staff is going to be rude, which happens a lot in, in some 
campgrounds, but this is not the case here. Not the all. case here at all. And we had a pull through site and they have numerous pull through sites. I would wager it's about an even 50 50 between back end and yeah, pull through. And these are sort of like the half round pull throughs. Not It's not like a, a whole bunch of pull throughs next to each other. Mm-hmm. They're all their big own open sites where you get you do a little arc with your RV through it. And we really like that because we don't have to unhook the, the tow dolly, but it also just creates a really big space. It does. And another nice thing about this campground was that each site had its own trash can yeah. that was emptied every single day. And it's trash can had a nice big heavy wooden lid on it to make sure that no critters could get in. And every morning, when they knew that someone was at that particular campsite, they came by and they emptied it. And, you know, it it sounds strange to say, but to only have to walk out your door and just go a couple feet to a trash can, but not have it be one of those big giant ones that's going to sit there for days before the trash company comes and gets it is kind of it's nice. It's a little bit of a luxury. Well, yeah, actually, as much as we loved Palmetto Islands, where we went to next Palmetto Islands, you had to take all your trash up to the dump station where the dumpster was. It just was a beautiful space. We looked out across to the lake. We had a very lovely view. Of- no neighbors, no no sites next to us at all, really. And th- that little zoo is great. It's a, it's a small zoo right as you enter. But the best part about it is they have free roaming peacocks that oh, are part of the yeah. zoo, but they also come out into the campground and roam around in the campground a little bit or they hang out at the gate yeah and then you can't get in because they're all hanging out on like, like on the, the gate itself other, like, on the arm yeah it's wonderful they do a really nice job at the campground i think it's about 30 dollars a night to stay and it's to me it's really worth it considering all of the different amenities that you have there but you still feel like you're not so much bombarded by them there's a beach there's the playground the zoo and the nature center all those things we've talked about but the campground still feels isolated from all of those things as well and and sewer at a lot of the sites too yeah which is you know hard to come by in a lot of public campgrounds this park is maybe 20 to 30 minutes from from downtown shreveport depending on where you're going in shreveport yeah i think it's in bozier which i keep wanting to call bozier <laughs> she wants she always wants to make words I want to French it up. than that they, they I are. do I want to French it um, up especially because I'm in Louisiana yeah but once you get into Shreveport there's a, a lot of stuff to do and so we're just going to run through the stuff that we did quickly and tell you you know what we enjoyed the most and I'd say the number one thing on that list for me is the R.W. Norton art gallery and surrounding grounds I would agree with that it's a free art museum, medium size art museum. They have like 400 paintings plus a bunch of sculptures and artifacts and stuff. A lot of it's Western art and some famous Western art, you know, big canvases with big wide open landscapes on them. And beautiful national park themed yeah. landscapes. It's just some of them are so stunning. They're wall size. They're just, they're enormous. You know, if you are a nature lover, if art in that form is something you're really into, then this is, this is your museum for sure. They had a scavenger hunt for the kids and encouraged kids to really experience the museum as kids. And we always love when museums 
don't try to be too stuffy about that stuff. I wish more art museums would do that because I think that that can sometimes be the biggest downfall for families and art museums in particular. A lot of times art museums will just have a kid's section of the entire museum, right? But then the rest of the art museum feels a little off limits. And this was such a cool thing that they did because it encouraged the kids to go all over the museum and they wanted them to go all over the art museum and interact with different pieces and find different pieces of art. And it was really eclectic, like what was on the scavenger hunt. And it was also age appropriate. They had one that was just for Henry's age group, one for Ethan's age group and one for Jack's age group. And that was the one I was most surprised by because a lot of times Jack and Ethan get lumped into the same age group and they're not, you know, Jack is 11 and Ethan is eight. And so Jack's was harder. It should have been harder. He's 11. So I liked that they did that for him, that they gave him a challenge. So the museum itself is recently remodeled, really nice on the inside. But the best part about it is on the outside. You might get fooled by the name. That's the R.W. Norton Art Gallery. But on the outside is 40 acres of botanical garden. So beautiful. And we were told time and time again that we were at the peak time of year to be visiting. Everything was blooming and opening up and they people were so right. It was stunning. It's a nice trail that you can walk that that loops around the whole place. But you can also just go into the the middle of it if you if you can't walk long distances and they've got uh, ponds and streams and it's all very well manicured and and taken care of. Very aggressive ducks. <laughs> Some aggressive ducks. Very aggressive. It, it was just a, a wonderful family day in the park. You really couldn't ask for anything better. The weather was wonderful. The sun was shining and the the flowers were blooming. It, it had that wonderful fresh flower bloom smell through it. I mean, as Ira Gershwin said, who could ask for anything more? The next thing that we did in Shreveport would, would be sort of the second place to me after that, the R.W. Norton Museum. And that's the Waterworks, the Shreveport Waterworks Museum. What a gem of a place, like a hidden gem. So this is the last known steam powered municipal water treatment plant in the U.S. Its steam engines weren't retired until 1980 it was running off of steam engines it's so cool the history of this place it's a national historic landmark and you go inside and it i mean it's just a really unassuming building in a real industrial little part of town and you go in and you get to see these massive pump works if you have kids or you yourself like to just see really big machinery and the shops that repair the machinery and all that sort of stuff. This is for you. You you get to see how the water was filtrated and they do a really good job of giving you a walking tour that, that takes you through it. And at the end of the tour, they had the kids all put on uh, some earmuffs, some you know noise reduction headphones, and they let them blow off the steam whistle. It was really neat. And... Each one got to do it. And it was so loud. The whistle was so loud that, you know, the rest of us who were standing back and we had our hands over our ears. I mean, you still felt it like in your chest. 
Yeah. Yeah. And so that was a really kind of cool thing that they did for the kids. There is for me, there's something about places like this. Museums are wonderful. I love museums because they are a gateway into the history and into our past. But there's something for me, there is a different kind of energy, a different kind of feeling when I walk into a space that spent the majority of its life actually being used about like of the thing you're about to learn about. This was a functioning working steamworks. And so the energy inside of there is is very different for me because it's now a museum and you're learning about it. But for decades, there were people in there working with these machines. And I just think that that's really cool to kind of walk in their footsteps in a different way. So I really I really enjoyed this. So the the sort of more modern thing that we we experienced after that was we went to the Cyport Discovery Center. And this is sort of the children's slash science museum in downtown Shreveport. It's right on the river. And uh, it, it's sort of your standard fair type science museum. But there were a couple things that that I loved about it. One of them being it has a planetarium built in, which is always a plus because sometimes planetariums are separate. But also the planetarium shows were free. Yes, that was a huge bonus. So you're just going to pay your admission and then you get to go to the planetarium shows. Now they have an IMAX there. That's going to be a separate charge. Usually always an IMAX is a separate charge. But it is really nice when they do have the planetarium shows. And they also had a couple like they had a science live type show that was running consistently throughout the day. We were there on a Saturday, so it was very busy. We again caught the tail end, I think, of sort of spring break in the area. So it was exceptionally busy. But I thought, you know, I was entertained. I one of the things and I've talked about this before in the past for me with museums is the more hands on you allow us to be, the more you encourage us, not just the kids, but the adults to really get involved in the space the more enjoyable I find it, the less I find myself standing over in a corner on my phone and the more I find myself really interacting with not only the kids, but with what the museum has there to offer. And that downtown district is really nice. Uh, right right across the street from the Cyport Museum is the Army Corps of Engineers Visitor Center, the Red River Visitor Center. And you can go in there and learn a little bit about the Army Corps of Engineers and and what they do. And they've got all sorts of wildlife exhibits for the wildlife that you find in the area. But then across the river is a, a big outdoor mall that we went to as well. And there's a, a Bass Pro shop over there and a whole bunch of big stores that are sort of like a, a an outdoor outlet mall. And over there, we had one of our three Cajun food experiences in Shreveport. We once we crossed into Louisiana, the first thing we wanted to do was have Cajun food. And we had we had three different sort of Louisiana types of cuisine over there. This this first one downtown on the river was Bojack's Craft House. It was so good. And they had a happy hour special that was going on while we were there. And we got some killer hurricanes. I forgot about hurricanes. And then we got down there. I'm like, oh, right. Hurricanes, those are so good. They're so good. And they, uh, wow, they packed a punch in that hurricane. They absolutely did. And I had the I had the jambalaya, which is my favorite Creole food. 
I had some red beans and rice. And Did not disappoint. We shared a little red beans and rice. Yeah. We should have got more red beans and rice. We really should. It was probably some of the best red beans and rice I've had in the couple times we've been in this area. And you had a you had a po' boy, right? I did. Um, it was chicken, though, and it was sort of like one of their must-have items, food truck yeah. type items, and it was huge. And they all come with Zaps chips. Zaps so chips. Zap- if you've not yeah. had Zaps chips, they are the best. So we had two other great food experiences in Shreveport, and one of them was called the Cajun Asian. This is in the two years we have been traveling. This might be my all-time favorite place we've ever discovered in a community. It's Cajun food mixed with Asian food. It's so so brilliant. It's so brilliant. But we had just like a smorgasbord of stuff. So we had jambalaya egg rolls. So egg rolls with jambalaya in them. Pretty simple. Then we had crawfish wonton. So essentially it was crab rangoon, but they pulled the crab out. They put crawfish in. Then I had... Fried rice etouffee, which was so decadent, I couldn't finish it all. And they had hush puppies. Our uh, tour guide that we were with, Chris, he ordered crawfish and they were fantastic. He walked me through a little tutorial of how to have one. And I promptly squirted Cajun juice right into my eye. And that was kind of a thing, but it was still very, very good. What did you have? I can't remember now. I had the spicy beef vermicelli, which is which is almost like a pho, but with a little bit of Cajun flavoring. It was it looked pretty good. And one of the great things, too, is that they had a very uh, traditional kids menu, which was appreciated. They had some things that the, if they wanted to do sort of a Cajun or Asian flavored, like they could order kids pho. Jack loves kids pho, which is essentially just the broth and the noodles. Right. But then the other two got chicken fingers and French fries yeah. with hush puppies. It's, hush puppies. It's always so great when when a restaurant with food that's a little bit out there for kids Gives them those options so that the adults can really go to those places and have whatever they want. Yeah, we had a great meal. And then we finished it off with a cinnamon roll funnel cake. Yeah. Which is so funny that there's a cinnamon roll funnel cake at the Cajun Asian. I want more of these. I want more people to open Cajun Asian restaurants. Yeah, apparently it's sort of a, a, a thing that's happening, some Cajun fusion restaurants happening a lot across the state in in different cuisines. And I think it's just such a fantastic idea. They really actually do go together very well. They really, really do. They complement each other nicely. So if you run across a place that's doing this fusion, run, do not walk, and please have some egg rolls for me. Our final food experience in Shreveport is the second we entered Louisiana, we we're dying for beignets. The kids were asking for beignets. So they just wanted them. We heard that that a place called Maryland's Place is the best place to get beignets. And Maryland's Place is a former gas station. It's so cool. Like a that, that had a, a shop in it too. So it's got the old big garage doors. And the eating area is in, in the garage. And it is a very unassuming looking place. And it's just sort of the cool hip vibe to walk in with the cement floors and the garage doors and stuff. But then behind the counter, you got 
you know, guys with the curly mustaches and chef coats. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and we had some amazing beignets there. And we also had their praline bread pudding. We went specifically for the beignets, not knowing that they have a full set of Cajun Creole cuisine. Yeah. The small downside is that they, I felt they were just a little bit on the pricey side. Like we probably personally, just for us, we probably wouldn't have stayed and had dinner just because it would have been a little bit more expensive for us to do that. Yeah. I mean, with the kids, like maybe if it had just been you and I, that would have been a different story. But it's sort of it's counter service food at sort of sit down prices a little yeah. bit. Um, and, you know, it's supposed to be comfort, casual food. And, and it is. But it is, you know, and this type of food is a little pricey to make and I, I get that but it absolutely but and I don't mean that negatively it's just to be honest so you're gonna pay seven dollars for a cup of coffee and four beignets yeah we still paid it and it was delicious I mean they're <laughs> more know? than worth it I mean, yeah they were, they were incredibly fantastic good. yeah the kids were covered from head yeah. to toe in powdered sugar definitely just as good as anything you're gonna get in New Orleans yeah if you think the only place you can get a decent beignet is at Cafe Du Monde then you are doing yourself a complete disservice yeah. for the entire state of Louisiana. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of people do come to Louisiana and they just, their plan is to go to New Orleans and that's it. And we have found so much more to do in Louisiana and we're really enjoying it quite a bit. So check out Shreveport though. It's, it's a really great town. The Northern part of Louisiana, almost up into Arkansas, right up in the corner Arkansas and, and Texas is a really great stop off right along an interstate, right along 49 and, and 20. And you can really have a, a, a good Louisiana style experience Absolutely. in Shreveport, Louisiana. So before we wrap this episode up, our three boys all really wanted to say something about Shreveport, something that they loved about Shreveport. So we're going to start here with Ethan. Ethan, can you tell me what was what was your one favorite thing about Shreveport? Um, I think it was probably the beignets. Why do you like beignets so much? Because they're good. <laughs> what what's what's good about them? Um, just good. You had the most powdered sugar on yourself. Yeah, probably. What else did you like about Shreveport? Um, I like the museum, the art museum. The art museum, the one with the botanic garden outside. Yep. All right. Anything else you want to say? Um. No, I think I'm good. All right. Next up is Henry. Henry's our little one. Henry's five. Ethan was eight, by the way. Henry, what was your favorite part about Shreveport? Probably the beignets. Uh, are you just copying everybody else? No, those are actually really good. They were very good, weren't they? Yeah. What else did you like about Shreveport? I liked the art museum. That was pretty fun with all of the scavenger hunt, you know. What did, what did you find in the scavenger hunt? I found f fruit. And fruit was I, the hardest. You and I were trying to find fruit, a, yeah. some, something that was painted fruit. Yeah, and we had a really hard time with yeah, that. Yeah, that was really hard. Then uh, we found, let's see. Uh, we found a sculpture. Yeah. Sculpture. I kind of forgot what else we found. Yeah, it was a, it was it was a little while ago now. Bye bye. <laughs> bye.
And to wrap it up is Jack, our oldest, who is 11. Hi. Jack, what was your favorite part of Shreveport? I'm at a loss with the beignets or the cinnamon roll uh, funnel cake. The cinnamon roll funnel cake at the Cajun Agent. That was really good. Yeah, I'm at a loss between both of the, I. I know I know none of none of my brothers in this room are going to like this, but I liked the cinnamon roll funnel cake better. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think the beignets didn't have jelly in the middle of them. <laughs> Besides the food, what was your favorite activity? But I like the children's museum a lot. I'm a, I, I think I like the children's museum. The children's yeah. museum was a really good. Activity. You got to be like a weatherman behind the. Yeah, that was fun. Behind on the green screen. By the, by the way, subscribe to me on YouTube. Somebody link it in the show notes. Please. All right. <laughs> Thank you, Jack. Thank you, boys, for joining us. Let's wrap this episode up with a brain teaser. Joseph walked Chuck, a potential new employee, through his company. He briefly went over the safety precautions and a couple of machines, their uses, their regular day-to-day activity. Joseph was very impressed with Chuck's qualifications and knowledge in the workings of the business. Chuck was applying for position in shipping. Joseph took him by the wall where a single dollar hung up. He proudly explained that it was the first dollar he ever made almost 20 years ago when the business first started. Finally, Joseph brought the man outside and showed him his parking spot. Chuck thanked Joseph for the tour, but then directed Joseph to put his hands over his head. What happened? I could see by the blank look on your face that you don't know. No, but the whole time I was thinking about that NBC show that used to be on called Chuck, where he was like an (laughs) undercover spy. So I thought maybe I was going to go there. If you know the answer, send us a message at editor at rvmiles.com or a direct message on any of our social media accounts and you might win a Not All Who Wander Our Lost t-shirt. We'll have the answer to that and a whole lot more on next week's episode of the RV Miles podcast. We sure will. And we have got to wrap up this clown circus show we got going on in here because the kids are just bouncing around. So if you are enjoying the podcast, you know, as we say every week, we would so appreciate it if you would just share it around your social circles, be that on social media, or maybe the next time you're hanging out around a campfire. And of course, if you've got any questions or suggestions for future topics, please feel free to reach out to us, editor at rvmiles.com. And until next week, we send you all our best and keep logging those RV miles. Bye bye, everybody. 